This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Two weeks ago, the world at large the first, celebrated the first public uh, holiday of this year, Easter. However, in the religious calendar, Easter is also an important time. In the Christian world, it's that time of year when we remember the crucifixion of Jesus. And what is more important, three days later, three days after his death, he rose again. And this fact is an important one and it plays a part in our lives today. We're coming for the moment to the reading our president right to introduce this talk, 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. I would read there at verse 55 O grave, where is thy victory? Which of course is the subject of our talk this afternoon. Why then is the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead on that third day regarded as a victory? And in order to understand this you have to look at the full picture. And doing so, I think you will agree with me that the statement that Jesus being risen uh, is in fact a victory. Not only for him, but for us as well. Why then does the fact that Jesus rose from the dead three days after the crucifixion play an important <coughs> part? Well, let's return to our reading from 1 Corinthians. And let's go on this time to uh, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you. Now let's forget, not forget here what the gospel means. It's the good news. So then, what is the good news uh, that we have? Verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, that, how, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. Yes, you see, how many of you here, out there, realise that Jesus died on that cross at Calvary in order that our sins or wrongdoings would be cancelled out? The verse continues, that he was buried and that the third day, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now we come to the important part of the narrative, verse 12. Now if Christ preached that he died, he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? The next verse goes on to tell us that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And the narrative goes on to explain that if we cannot accept that Christ is risen, then all that we believe uh, about death is in vain. And we are then reminded that death comes about because of the disobedience of one man, a man called Adam. And because of that disobedience, we are all subject to that death penalty. But through the power of Christ, we are all reminded of this in verse 22. For as in Adam all die, 
Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. It shows to us that after death you can be raised to an everlasting life. But more about this later. Now I am sure the majority of you here at some time has bought an item. And with it you were given a guarantee. Sometimes the guarantee is for 12 months, sometimes for 2 years. But also with it you have what they call the small print. And when you read the small print, it puts restrictions on what you can expect from the guarantee. Well, this afternoon, I am going to give you all a guarantee. It's not for one year, not even two. It's for your lifetime. It's a lifetime guarantee. And the small print is very similar. The only condition is, so long as Christ does not return to this earth. And what is that guarantee? I guarantee that you will die. And why am I so confident with this prediction? Well, whether you accept it or not, we all commit sin. And the punishment for sin is death. And apart from one man, that man being Jesus, no one else has lived without committing a sin. And as they say, say the proof is in the eating, no, the pudding is in the eating, you show me anybody who has lived forever. Now if you want to fully appreciate the importance of this event we have to go back to the beginning and see why man has to die. We come with them to the first book in the Bible the book of Genesis and for the benefit of anybody using a, a, a tablet or electronic device I'm using the King James Version of the Bible. Now before I go any further, I want to point out one very important point. When God gives a commandment, it has to be obeyed. And if it is not, then God will punish you. And who is the God I am referring to? Well, it is the God who we read about in this book. The Bible. The one that created the heavens and the earth. The one, so when, so then, what did God command? Well, in the instant we're going to look at, God is talking to the first man he created, the man called Adam. The same man that we're talking about when we read those verses in 1 Corinthians 15. If you'd like to turn with me, can we go to Genesis, but chapter 2. Genesis and chapter 2. And we read there at verse 15... And the Lord God took the man, that is Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Yes, Adam was given the task of looking after the garden. The verse continues, And the Lord God commanded the man, and this is the important part, God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. So you see here, Adam was given freedom of choice, he could, read, he could eat anything in the garden that he fancied. But then we are told, at verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And from this we can learn two things. Firstly, if man does not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he will live forever. But if he does eat of that tree, he will surely die. So Adam is told in no uncertain terms 
what will be the punishment that will be inflicted if Adam failed to comply. Now as far as I can establish, up to this time, uh, up to this point, since God created the heavens and the earth and all that is therein, which of course we have recorded for us in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, there is no mention of death. Even going so far as looking at the trees and the flowers, there is no mention of them dying or decaying. As far as the Bible record reveals, everything was living. And God, as he said in verse 31 of chapter 1, Genesis of Genesis, and God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Therefore I think it is a fair question to ask, did Adam know what God meant when he said, Thou shalt surely die? Well, even think about this point, death. Death is being introduced here. Uh, as an entirely new topic. So then, what is death? Well, I think that in order to fully understand this point, we have to go back to the first creation of man. So let's return back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And we read there in this chapter, or in this verse, And the Lord got formed man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his life the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So I think that one important point that we have to make clear here is that the, that the living man became a living soul. It is not some internal spirit or being that can exist independently. But the person himself is that breath of life. And before we can move forward, we have to accept that when a person dies, the soul of that person also dies. And whether we again we like to admit it or not, the body returns to dust. Or in modern times we have cremation, and all that really does is turn the body, speed up the process of returning the body to dust. However, the question was raised, did Adam know what death was? Well, in order to answer this point, we have to enlarge upon the situation. Adam knew, and I'm going to suggest that he also passed his information on to Eve, that it was wrong to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if they did eat of it, they would be punished. Now let's pick up the commentary, chapter 3 of Genesis. And this is of course after they have eaten from the tree. Genesis 3 and verse 8. And we read there, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And Adam replied, verse 10, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. Why then was Adam afraid? Why was Adam afraid? And I'm going to suggest here that Adam knew that he had done wrong by disobeying God's commandment. And this, of course, is then confirmed for us then in verse 11. Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commandest thee that thou shouldest not eat? And Adam then goes on to admit that he hath eaten of the tree, but tries to put the blame onto Eve, and Eve, of course, tried to blame the serpent. But more important, what is the outcome of this incident? And this is the answer to about death. Verse 19. 
In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, until thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And in my view here, we have the situation in a nutshell. God created man from the dust of the ground, he became a living soul, and as a result of Adam's disobedience, he is punished by being returned to the dust. And that process, as I say, is what we know as death. But what we also have here to remember, death is not an instant punishment. Death is the result at the end of a person's life. And just for the record, we are reminded in Genesis that Adam was in fact 930 years old when he actually fell asleep, or as the world calls it, died. And then we are given a further reminder that death applies to everyone except the Son of God, who of course was Jesus. But more about this later. For a moment now, I want to look at the raising of the dead from an entirely different angle. In the book of Genesis, we are told about a very important man called Adam. And God made a covenant with him. And this is an important fact. Well, what is a covenant? Well, it is a binding agreement between two people, between two persons, and it must be complied with. And I'm going to suggest that this agreement is still in force today, and it will be fulfilled. And again, giving us that assurance that death will come, that the death, dead will be raised. So, what then did God agree with Adam? Will you come with me then to Genesis and chapter 17? Genesis 17. And we read there at verse 8. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And what I'm suggesting is that Adam was given this land as an everlasting possession. But he died before he received the land, the promise of the land from, uh, from God. And to me we have the guarantee here that Adam will be raised and the promise that God made will be given and, will, and the land will be restored to him. And then we are reminded about the patriarchs of old who have also been promised eternal life. Can we now go to the New Testament and Hebrews and chapter 11? Now this chapter is known as the faith chapter. And in it we have a list of patriarchs of old who have died. If we go there to verse 4, we're told about a man named Abel. Verse 5, Enoch. Verse 7, Noah. Verse 8, Abraham. And what do we read then in verse 13? These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. But what did they believe? Verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise them even from the dead. 
And finally, we are told in verse 39 of this chapter, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. So the question now is, what is that better thing that they have been promised? And I'm going to suggest that it will be a kingdom that will be established here on this earth. Now I'm going to ask you a question now. Why should we believe that the resurrection of the dead is possible? The bodies of dead persons have been buried in the ground and rotted away to dust. Others have been cremated and the body re again reduced to dust by burning. And while some of the religions believe that the body is not raised and will remain in the ground or as dust, but that the but the that the soul will leave the body and go on to have a separate existence. Well, how can I prove to you that it is not so? And the only way I can show you this is by showing you examples that were recorded in the Bible. I'm not going to. I'm now going to look at three examples where a person has died and has been raised from the dead, proving that dead people can in fact be raised. But there is no record a recollection of them going to some better place while they were dead. The first example is the daughter of the ruler in the synagogue who has died. The accounts recorded for this in Mark's Gospel and chapter 5. <coughs> and let's pick up the commentary in verse 23. Mark chapter 5 and verse 23. We read there, My daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hand on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live forever. However, Jesus was delayed going to the girl. Let's go down, down to verse 38. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and saith the tumult, and them that wept, and wailed greatly. Verse 39. And when he came in, he said unto him, Why make ye this odd ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. But what is he going to say then? They are told how the mourners laughed, because they knew the girl was in fact dead. But then in the next few verses, we have the record of how Jesus brought her back to life. And the point I'm making here, is in this example, is how the girl had only been dead a short while, when Jesus restored her back to life. The second example I want to look at involves a person who has been dead for a short while. We come coming now to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 7. Luke and chapter 7. When we read at verse 11, we are told that Jesus went to a city called Nain. And in verse 12 we are told that the body of the son of a widow was being taken for burial. And then in verses 14 and 15 we are told how Jesus touched the bear and the boy was raised back to life. Again, this example is proving that the boy who had no doubt been dead for a short while because in the coffin and was being taken for burial. And then the third example I want to look at is the raising of Lazarus. And that's recorded for us in John and chapter 11. 
And to keep the account brief, Lazarus has died and has been buried and his body is in the sepulchre. And when Jesus arrives at the scene, he's told that had he been there, Lazarus would not have died. But more to the point, what did Martha have to say to Jesus? Verse 24. I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So it is obvious from this statement that the teachings... uh, that the teachings were that the body would be raised in the last days. But more important, let's return to the narrative, verse 39. And this is what we read. Jesus said, take away the stone. But what did Martha say to Jesus? By this time he stinketh. So it's obvious that the body's been in the tomb for sufficient time for it to start the process of decomposition. But the narrative then goes on to say how Jesus did in fact raise Nazareth from the dead. And what I've tried to show in in these three examples of persons who have died. The first had just died, the second was being going to the funeral, and the third had been in the grave several days. Jesus raised them all, showing how the dead can be raised. But of course we've got to remember, all these three people, persons, did die again. And this, my dear friends, is where we look at the title of this address. O grave, where is thy victory? Now before Jesus can be raised, he has of course to die. And if we go into numerous accounts on the internet, there are numerous theories put forward by various individuals that Jesus did not in fact die. Uh, Some say he was just asleep, others say he was in a coma. But let's pick up the narrative in John's Gospel and chapter 19. And at verse 31, we are told that the Jews asked that the legs of Jesus might be broken. Verse 32, we read, Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. Now I'm perfectly satisfied if a Roman soldier said that Jesus was dead, Jesus was dead. The Romans were experts at putting people to death and sometimes they used the most inhuman ways to carry this out. And also we have the fact that if a a Roman soldier is not going to risk his life by saying a person was dead if he wasn't, But what happened? To make sure, what happened? Verse 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. And what in my view can also be an important event. And forthwith came out water, that came out blood and water. First when the soldier pierced the body of Jesus, the hole in his side was large enough for a man to place his hand or fist. And this alone would be sufficient to kill him. But to me it also proves another point. Verse 34 tells that the water and blood came out. If Jesus still been living, it would have come out with some force. But a more important point is, it shows that Jesus was a normal human being. A person who had been born naturally from a mother's womb. And this again conflicts with the belief of many religions that believe that Jesus was also a God in human form. Jesus was an individual just like you and me except that he was the son of God 
Why then is Jesus rising from the grave of victory? Well, again, I'm going to put forward five reasons for this. Firstly, to fulfil the scriptures, and in particular, Bible prophecy, that he would be raised. Secondly, to provide for our salvation. His death made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. Thirdly, by being raised from the dead, shows that he, that death can be defeated. And number four, the example of him being raised also shows to us that we can be raised from the dead in the last days. And in doing so, guarantees our future. And number five, Christ is the cornerstone of our beliefs. And one of those ingredients was that he rose from the dead. Just for a moment now, think about the position if Christ had not been raised from the dead. The first thing is that we have nothing uh, to preach about. Religion is just a waste of time. Secondly, if we have nothing to believe in, nothing to look forward to, we would have nothing to look forward to. Thirdly, we are lying when we talk about God creating the world and all that is in it and the plan and purpose he has with this world. And then finally, our lives would be just confined to this life. Yes, there'd just be this life. Live today, and when you die, this life is finished. My dear friends, the resurrection of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, is not only a vital ingredient, but also an essential one for our, in our beliefs. And we now wait for the time when he will return to this earth, and as is foretold, and establish God's kingdom here on earth. And finally, will you come with me to the last quotation, which in my view sums up the whole situation. Can we go to the first book of Thess Thessalonians and chapter 4? First Thessalonians and chapter 4. And let's read from verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring... For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk. Mm -hmm.